We're going to look at John chapter 12 in a moment. John chapter 12, uh, 12 to 19. Uh, and we're going to be looking at the story of Palm Sunday. It's great to be here looking at this together. Now, I'm going to read it out, and then after that, I'm going to need your help as we properly tell this story and look at it together and kind of get into the story and see what's going on. So I'm going to need everyone's help, and I'm going to be asking for some specific volunteers as well in a moment, okay? So I'm just giving you a heads up about that. I'm definitely going to need someone to be Jesus. So if you think that could be you, then that's probably not a good thing. (laughs) I don't, I don't think you can be, but in the, in, the, in the drama, you can be Jesus, and I need a couple of disciples uh, and someone who's willing to be a donkey, or, or unwilling. I might just pick you. Okay, John chapter 12 and verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. There we are. It's quite a short story in John's Gospel, but this story is told in all four of the Gospels. An important story that marks the start of this last week as we head to the cross. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. So, we're going to tell the story. I've deliberately looked at John's Gospel and we'll see why in a bit. But we're going to look at this story and we'll fill in the details from the other Gospels. So, I, first of all, you all get to be the crowd. And I would love you if you want to join in. Whenever I mention the crowd... Now, we can do better than... Really. I want you... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, we can do better specifically. I want you to shout, Hosanna! We'll keep it simple, just Hosanna, that's okay. And if you've got palm branches, you can wave them. So should we try that? As we're walking along, there was a big crowd. Not bad, I'm sure that'll get better as we go along. But you can also all get to be the Pharisees. And so if I mention the Pharisees, then you can put on your best angry face and say this, This is getting us nowhere. So the Pharisees. Again, not bad. Pretty good. But also, I need some volunteers. Who would like to help me by being Jesus? 
there were, there were, a, few there were a few very keen volunteers. Um, in fact, would the three people with their hands up like to be Jesus and two disciples? So that's Alex, Amelia and Aidan. Would you like to come up? Come up and we'll work this out. Go on, Amelia, you can come. You can come, you can be really helpful. Right. I might pick my Jesus based on who I'm going to get to be the donkey. So it really depends whether Emily, Joe or Bless Anne are going to be the donkey, really. So Aidan can be Jesus because Joe's going to be the donkey. Okay, so Joe, can you come up? Right. In fact, Joe, you can go to the back because that's where the donkey is. For now, for now, it's all right. Okay, so we have this story. You guys, you guys are ready. Jesus is with his disciples. Jesus is with his disciples, okay? Right, disciples, you're going to go on a very important mission in a minute. Jesus, you're going to stay here. Wait, okay? Fine. Right, so this story comes straight after, uh, well, soon after, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And when uh, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the, from the dead, there was a big crowd... Come on, come on, we've got to get into it. Who saw it and had believed in Jesus. But some of them actually weren't quite so keen. They went off to tell the Pharisees. This could take a while. Um, and the Pharisees, that wasn't clever, thought that they weren't getting anywhere. They, this was getting them nowhere. This was a problem. Jesus is a big troublemaker. This is going to be bad. But the crowd... We're very excited. But Jesus disappears for a bit. He stays out of the limelight for a bit. But then now suddenly he's on his way to Jerusalem. And we read in John's Gospel that this big crowd Hosanna. gathers and says, Hosanna, waves their palm branches, everyone. They're welcoming him in. Then he tells us that Jesus sat on a donkey. Now, John just tells us Jesus sat on a donkey, but we read in the other Gospels that they had to find this donkey from somewhere. So what we read is that Jesus said to two of his disciples, right, Jesus, you can pretend to be talking to them. Jesus said to two of his disciples, you go on ahead to the next town, and in the next town, you'll find a young donkey. In fact, in some of the Gospels, it tells you you find a young donkey and the donkey's mother, the two, two donkeys together, and you're going to untie the donkeys and bring them back to me. Okay? But... Very important, you get ready to go. Very important, if anyone tells you, what are you doing? Ask you, what are you doing? Why are you taking the donkey? Then you tell them, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. Okay, if you remember that, that's very important. Very important, okay. Okay, so you guys can go off and go and find the donkey. There's a donkey at the back. In fact, there appears to be two donkeys, it's quite good. There we go, so they went off and they found the donkey. And they start to untie the donkeys. It might be tied up quite tight, so do that a bit. Okay. Right. See, now that was very good that the disciples remembered exactly what they were supposed to say. And so I think we're okay with that, aren't we? They can take the donkey. Yeah? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, you can bring the donkey. So they dealt with the people in the town. It was all right. And they brought the donkey. Wow, this is good. This is very good acting. I'm loving this. This is brilliant. Brilliant. This is good. So they brought the donkey. So they brought the donkey back to Jesus. Now remember, uh, there's a big crowd that is gathered and he's shouting Hosanna. 
But Jesus, it was, we're told, sat on the donkey. Brilliant, this is perfect. <laughs> now that, that's kind of all we're told in John's Gospel, but it does tell us, in quoting the prophecy from Zechariah, don't be afraid, daughter Zion, see your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And what we're told in the other Gospels is that what happened was the big crowd spread their palm branches and their cloaks on the road. Now, you can do this if you want, but you might not want to uh, ruin your palm branches, but you can put them on the ground. That's what they did. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem, as it were, on this, on this kind of red carpet of palm branches into the city. Fantastic. This is brilliant. This, uh, this is better than I could have ever hoped for. We've got coats, we've got palm branches, and the crowd... All the while are shouting, Hosanna, blessed be the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the king of Israel. But not everyone is happy. Alongside the crowd, Beth Willoughby extra points, were the Pharisees. Who really thought this is getting us nowhere. This is a problem. This is a big problem. This Jesus, there's this big crowd now who are following him. He's got a big following and he's causing more and more trouble. Brilliant. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Aidan. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Amelia. Fantastic. And thank you, everyone. So here we see Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, I might continue to mention those two words you don't need to shout out anymore. Okay. But what we see, this is Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And we now know this is the last week before he goes to the cross. We see Jesus being welcomed, celebrated. But we see these two very different reactions. We see the crowd shouting, Hosanna. Welcome. Here's the king. We're, we're really delighted to see you. And we see the Pharisees very upset, very annoyed, very fearful and angry. Who is this troublemaker? And we're going to look at these two different reactions. That's one of the reasons why we're looking at John's gospel. We'll see another reason as we go through. Jesus comes to Jerusalem. We see these two different reactions. Well, first we see the crowd. Well, what are the crowd doing? Well, we hear that they're coming out of the city to meet him. And some of them are also coming with Jesus, having seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. Mark's gospel tells us that they were those who were going on ahead and those who were coming up behind, they were all joining in with this celebration. We can imagine the scene a bit like the half marathon last week. People lining the streets, people cheering and shouting and celebrating, but only there's not thousands of runners it's just Jesus that they're celebrating. This is their one focus. Jesus is here. They're waving their palm branches. They're laying them and their cloaks on the ground like this red carpet. And shouting all these wonderful things. Hosanna! Save us. They're shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And doing so, they're using the words of Psalm 118, verses 25 and 6, in order to welcome Jesus to the city, welcoming Jesus as the king. 
shouting it out, Hosanna, save us, King of Israel, save us, Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying, look, this one, this one that we see, this one that we're coming out to, what we see is he's the king coming. He's the king coming to David's city to sit on David's throne. Here he is. That's what they're thinking. The son of David, the one we've been waiting for, the Messiah is here. There's great joy and rejoicing. But what kind of king, what kind of Messiah are they expecting? Well, we can't know exactly what they all thought. But we see a bit of a clue even from verse 16 in the John account, which says, at first... His disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. What we understand at this point, even the disciples don't fully understand what's going on. They don't understand this is the type of king Jesus is. So the crowd... We know they were looking, many, many people in Israel, they were looking for a king to come, the Messiah, who they thought, he'll come, he'll kick out the Romans. We'll have our nation back. We'll have exactly what we need. This is what we need. We know. So here he is, the king. What do they expect is going to happen next? It's time. The Romans are going. We're going to be back in charge. They're crying, Hosanna, save us. What are they thinking? Is this the one who set us free from Rome? But this is their conclusion. Here is the king. They're praising him. They're welcoming him. They're spreading the word. Look, here's the one. Here's the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. And now he's come as king. You see... It's a genuine, joyful welcoming of Jesus. But do they really know who he is? You see, they think they know what should happen next. Oh, Jesus, the king is here. Well, Jesus, we know what we need. We know what should happen next. Surely now you're going to sit on your throne in Jerusalem and deal with the Romans, right? They see in part. But you know, it's easy for them and it's easy for us in lots of situations to see the answer that we think fits what they're thinking what we need is saving from Rome that's what the king's going to do when he comes well Jesus what I need now is for you to sort out this situation please can you sort it out quickly and then I can just get on with my life Jesus uh, I really don't need to deal with this at the moment can you just click your fingers and sort it They see in part, but they think they know what Jesus should do. It's easy for us to do the same. And yet we're called to trust him. But the crowd have this one reaction. Jesus is the king. Good. But then we also see the Pharisees. What are they doing? Well, they're not welcoming him. The Pharisees are looking on, they're grumbling, they're plotting... They use that wonderful phrase, see, this is getting us nowhere. 
the further this goes on, Jesus keeps coming back. He keeps coming and there's a bigger crowd and a bigger crowd following him. And he's doing more and more things that look impressive. And more and more people seem to be believing him. This is getting us nowhere. They're planning and they're plotting and they're thinking. How can we get rid of this troublemaker? This is what they're thinking, particularly since Jesus has recently raised Lazarus from the dead. We see that back in chapter 11 and verse 47 and 48. We see their reaction there. I'm doing well with my pieces of paper today. Let's hold on to them. We see Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead and then those, some of those people go to the Pharisees and they, the Pharisees then say, similar words, what are we accomplishing? Middle of verse 47 in chapter 11. Here is the man performing many, many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then we get a bit of an idea at what they're thinking. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. The Pharisees are afraid. The Pharisees don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And so now they see this troublemaker who's got everyone believing him and actually what's going to happen if this carries on? Well, the Romans are going to come and they're going to destroy everything. You see, the crowd have got this idea. Here's Jesus and maybe he'll sort out the Romans for us. And here's the Pharisees thinking, here's Jesus and he's going to cause a problem with the Romans for us. But they are plotting and scheming and thinking, how do we get rid of him? And now, here he is, but with a huge rapturous crowd. And they're getting desperate. They want to deal with him. They want to get rid of him. What do they want to do? Well, we see extraordinary words just following that in, in John chapter 11 from Caiaphas, the high priest. John eleven forty nine. Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Well, we can look back and think, wow, what a statement, Caiaphas. What a statement. And yet what we see, this is their plan. We need to get rid of him. We need to kill him. We need to kill him. So what's, what's their conclusion? He is a troublemaker, a blasphemer. He's calling himself God, and we don't think he's God. He's a problem to be got rid of. He must die. A fearful conclusion. See, this is getting us nowhere. What do they say in this, in this chapter? See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after them, after him. Another, what another amazing statement. Well, yes, he is the glorious king for the whole world. But at this moment, that sounds a bit like the description of someone with man flu. I'm dying. I'm it's so bad, I can't even get out of bed. You've got a cold, get up. The whole world has gone after it. Well, no, there's a big crowd who actually in a week's time may well be clamoring and screaming for his death. 
But they're terrified. You see, the Pharisees see Jesus and the Pharisees' response is rejection, fear and desperation. Look at his popularity. Look at the building crowd. Look at the problem he's going to cause for us. What will happen then? They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah and so they respond with fear. And you see, for us, it's so easy to act out of fear. We're called to trust him. Trust in Jesus. He is the one who is in control. But it's so easy, like the Pharisees, to think, I'm just scared of what might happen. And their conclusion is, let's get rid of the troublemaker. Don't let him cause us any more problems. So the crowd, Jesus is king. The Pharisees conclude Jesus must die. But what's really true? In the middle of this whole thing, we see Jesus. You see, John's gospel's a gospel account of this scene is very interesting. He doesn't add in all the details. Well, he sent a couple of them to get a donkey, and then they came back with the donkey, and then he got on the donkey, and they threw the palm branches on the ground, and he went into Jerusalem. No. There's a big crowd. And they've got palm branches. But this is all it says about Jesus. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. John focuses on this point. Jesus gets on a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. John's focus is very, very simply on Jesus' deliberate act to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey and that significance. You see, in this moment, Jesus is declaring exactly who he is. Yes, the Messiah has come. It's as Zechariah prophesied. That's the words that are quoted there in John. Zechariah chapter 9. Let's see if I can find that one-handed. Zechariah chapter 9 and verses 9 and 10 where we see a bit more fully what's going on there. Very slightly different words. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And it goes on to describe, but here we see Jesus The king who has come. But not a king on a mighty war horse. Not a king with an army behind him. But a humble king riding on a donkey. Even a young donkey, a colt of a donkey. Jesus is... And John is making very clear, look, Jesus is the promised king. He is the prince of peace who brings salvation, but not the king with the sword of war to deal with Rome. Not a king on a war horse come to start a military revolution, but the king gentle and lowly riding on a donkey. John focuses purely on this point. And it shows us that the crowd and the Pharisees are both wrong and yet they both 
reveal the truth. Now, this might be a slightly niche and nerdy example. But it reminded me of an episode of Doctor Who. The 50th anniversary episode of Doctor Who was called The Day of the Doctor. I've lost everyone. I'm going to press on. We're going to go. Now, in The Day of the Doctor, it, re- it looks back on the great day that ended the Great Time War. The Time War between the Time Lords and the Daleks. Everyone's getting more and more out of this. Which ends with, apparently, the Doctor taking a defiant stand and destroying his own home planet. And there's a picture of this, bear with me, this gets more surreal, there's a picture of this event hanging in a secret gallery in London, of course. Now, the Doctor has an interesting conversation with a guy in this gallery at the end of this episode, because we're not sure exactly what's happened. Has Gallifrey been destroyed, the Doctor's homeworld? Has it not? How did the war end? What happened? What's going on? And some people call this picture Gallifrey Falls. Boom, the destruction of Gallifrey. And some people call it, in honour of the Doctor's defiant cry, no more. Okay, there's two, two, two conflicting ideas of what the picture is, is called. And then the uh, mysterious character, the curator, says, no, 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 you see, this is Tom Baker. I can't do Tom Baker. That's where everybody's wrong. It's all one title. Gallifrey falls no more. Now, what do you think that means, eh? Okay, this tenuous link. The crowd have decided Jesus is the conquering king. The Pharisees have decided, no, 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 Jesus needs to die. Well, you see, that's where everyone's wrong. It's all one line. Jesus is the conquering king who came to die. Jesus is, and rose back to life. Who said that? Get in. Jesus is the conquering king who came to die. You see, Jesus, as he gets on a donkey, I apologize for that tenuous example. Jesus, as he gets on a donkey and rides into Jerusalem, he is the king. He is the Messiah who is heading to his coronation. He is heading to the glory that awaits him. Yes, I am the king. But as he knows so clearly, the road, the road that he is on leads to the cross. Yes, I must die. That's the reason I came. You cry, Hosanna. Yes, I am here to save you. But not from Rome or from any earthly power, but from sin and from death. This is how I'm going to do it. You see, the crowd here, they recognize him as the coming king, but they don't fully understand. The Pharisees reject him and they want to kill him, not realizing that this is exactly what Jesus came to do, was to die on the cross. This is the message of Palm Sunday. Not merely, oh, Jesus is the conquering king. Not merely, Jesus must die. But Jesus is the conquering king who had to die. Who had to die in our place. Because this is the way he was going to answer the cries of Hosanna. Save us. 
Jesus is the king who must die. My invitation to us today is to recognize him. Recognize the king who had to go to the cross. The king who went to the cross and as someone so beautifully called out and then he rose again. We're going to gather on Good Friday and the words of that incredible uh, sermon from S.M. Lockridge back in the day. I don't know when it was. When we come on Friday, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's not to say... We can't separate the two. Jesus is the king who came to die, conquering death. And proving it as he rose from the grave. Come. Come to Jesus, the king the conquering king who had to die. Come to him, worship him, recognize him. I'm just excited by the things that came through the worship. This is the king who came to die to save us. And he is inviting us. He invited Zacchaeus. You could be sat here thinking, why would he ever look at me? But yet Jesus is the one who walks through the city of Jericho with all the important people around and he looks up in a tree and sees the tax collector that everyone hates and he says, I want to come to your house for dinner. And he's the one, as Chris reminded us, who sees all the graves, all the darkness, all the stuff that is hard and is difficult and is, feels dead in our lives and he can turn them into gardens. <laughs>